Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th Congressional District out of the state of Ohio as he's on the line with us today. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Great. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. It is such a weird time, and it's a frustrating time, I know, especially for you guys. There's a lot I want to talk about, so I want to jump right into it. Obviously, the big news this week has been the news out of Afghanistan. We've had uh, President Joe Biden pulling troops out, which, I mean, uh, we were out there 20 years, maybe didn't need to be out there for 20 full years. It was kind of a wreck anyways, kind of a disaster of us being involved that long. However, the way we pulled out is probably the worst way we possibly could have pulled out. We have the Taliban taking over within a matter of hours. I mean, this just looks like a complete disaster, doesn't it? Well, it is. And it's all because of Joe Biden. You know, the uh, even at his White House press uh, secretaries and everybody who's speaking for him, because first of all, I just find it hard to believe the president was at Camp David by himself when this is all going down. Then he goes back to Camp David. And just finally got back to, to the White House. I can't, I can't believe that in a situation like this, that the commander-in-chief shouldn't be at the control. And uh, when you think about what's happened is that, first of all, who, how, who do you make this decision with? Yeah. Because they, say, they said that they planned for all contingencies. Well, now we're finding out they it was specifically asked, and they answered truthfully yesterday at the White House, did he talk to anybody around the world? Not one world leader. Now, you're finding reports today that you know, across Europe and NATO, they are furious. These have been people that, you know, as uh, uh, George Bush back in 2001 went and got on the phone to get them all on board to go in there to clean up Afghanistan to make sure that we're going to have any more 9-11 attacks on America. And uh, so he, he didn't talk to the Europeans. Did he talk to our military? Did he talk to the people on the ground? Did he talk to anybody in the intelligence committee? It started to sound like he talked to nobody in Congress. And then you know, all the other issues with, you know, getting, with the contingencies that they said they thought of, they, they, they planned for, that they planned uh, uh, about the 15,000 Americans being stranded there, you know, that, you know, could be up 20,000 or more Afghans who helped us. Uh, during these past 20 years whose lives are on the line? Did he have a contingency about, you know, this just goes on and on, about what about all the military equipment? Now, these people are going to be one of the best armed that they are, and now they were showing on the news last night, they're not carrying AKs anymore, they're carrying M16s. And then the final part you have to think about is this. Did he plan for the contingency that since he opened up our southern border, and uh, now we have 40% of our uh, Border Patrol offline because of him having to do paperwork, that now we could have Taliban and other terrorists crossing the border. Because, you know, the American military philosophy is this. We want to fight the bad guys over there, not here. Right. So, so much for his contingencies. Well, yeah, it's pathetic because if he says he was planning for all contingencies, he then admitted in the same speech when he announced it to the American public was that, yeah, you know what, the Taliban took over a little bit quicker than we anticipated. So obviously they didn't strategize a whole lot about this, and you nailed it right on the head because we talked about this earlier as well. Our concern now is our home front. We have the Department of Homeland Security concerned about the anniversary of September 11th coming up in just a few weeks here. In the country, we're concerned about another potential terrorist attack on that anniversary at the same time that the Taliban now is gaining power over there, that we have a weakened immigration system with people coming across our border illegally, not knowing who they are. We've already caught some terrorists trying to cross the border over the last year. I mean, this is now a major 
threat to the United States uh, on our on our very own home borders, along with the lack of influence that we now have over in the Middle East because of them gaining gaining power again. Well, and again, you have to remember that around the world, look who look who our adversaries are: communist China, Russia. If you don't think they are gleeful over this, they're, they're going to think, "Boy, we can't wait to talk to this guy. He's a you know he's a pushover." And uh, so now we're in a real situation that uh, we are weakened with our allies. We're weakened with people that have to, that only understand strength when you're negotiating with them. And you know we have to remember we had 2,500 troops there, and you know. Thankfully, we had not had a, ca- a combat casualty in over a year and a half in Afghanistan. A wow. year and a half. And, uh, you know, people have to remember, we've kept the peace around the world by keeping a force in Europe. We've been there for 76 years after World War II, 76 years in Japan after World War II. We've been over, you know, over 70 years. And uh, when you're thinking about... Uh, uh, in in Korea, that we've been there, and people have got to remember. Do you think the North Koreans would not have just invaded South Korea again if we had not been there? Yeah. But you know, th- we have forces around the world, and we have to remember we've kept the bad guys there. Right. <laughs> you know, and so when all of a sudden, well, it's time to get out. Well, the Afghans had been fighting, and they've been taking casualties. But you know, when you take away the air base that's going to help with their close air support, all of a sudden they have nothing. And now, now what we have given is the Taliban back, uh, you know, all this equipment that uh, is going to be used against who, and let's face it, they hate the United States. They were chanting death to the United States. You know, Israel has got to be feeling very threatened again. And so here we go. Yeah, here we go. Last question on this before we move on. But I want to ask, I mean, uh, over the last two days, we've heard our media, the American media, actually reporting on the comments from the Taliban after they've taken over, saying that they're going to not prosecute those that fought against them over the last 20 years. They're going to treat women with you, treat them humanely and so on and so forth. And I've laughed yet been have been terribly sad and angered the fact that the media is reporting this. And saying, well, that's what the Taliban saying, so therefore maybe we don't have a humanitarian crisis on our hands. Maybe we don't have to worry because at least the Taliban's telling us they're not going to go around and start just, uh, you know, just prosecuting people and murdering people uh, because of their uh, their terrorist activity. Yet for the last four years, no matter what Donald Trump said, they wouldn't believe a single word that he said. So now we have our own mainstream media in America trusting a terrorist organization on their word of what they're going to do over even believing a former president of the United States. I find it kind of ironic. Well, you're absolutely correct. And one of the things, though, that, you know, the Taliban are saying what they're going to do, they said they will treat women under Sharia law. And people better go back and read what that is. Yeah. And so uh, that's, you know, that's something that uh, people have got to understand and uh, so we again we are in a situation that um, uh, we could be watching all these terrorists going back in, and then who, how how is a Joe Biden going to go around the world and say, well, we got a problem in, in Afghanistan again, we got to do something. You're, <laughs> can you help us, NATO? Yeah, I don't think so. 
because he stabbed him in the back. What a mess. It's going to be an ongoing mess for a while, and hopefully, I mean, the biggest concern is we have right now is the threat to American Elite. They have this technology. They have these weapons. They have this power again. I don't know why we just didn't go in like uh, Donald Trump did before with al-Qaeda in Iraq and just go in with some of the major missiles, blow up some of the underground tunnels, put them in the deepest, darkest corner, so even if we did pull out, it would take a while for them to rebuild because it didn't sound like we've done that with the Taliban over there for a while. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latta, 5th District of Ohio. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about our dependency on the Middle East. Obviously, we were energy independent in America during the Trump era. Within the first six months of the Biden administration, we're now not energy independent. We're now needing to buy oil from OPEC and from other countries in the Middle East again for some reason. How is that going to be affected with what's going on in Afghanistan as well? Well, I'm a member of the Energy and Commerce Committee, and I've been on the committee since uh, 2010, so for over 11 years, and really watched the United States change from being dependent from around the world to becoming what we like to say North American independent when it comes to energy. And when you think of what we were able to do with diet, with uh, fracking and everything else, that we, you know, when we were told we, we that the United States no longer had natural gas, we now we we can we're the world's leader. In natural gas production, where we can outproduce Saudi Arabia, we can outproduce Russia. But this administration, the Democrats, the liberals, and the socialists have done what? Oh, we can't do that. We we've got to destroy American energy. So what have they done? You know, the, the administration is pulling back the leases that are on uh, federal land. I mean, again, just think about some of these states out west. You know, you have. 50, 60, 70, 75% of the land is owned by you and me as the, you know, the U.S. taxpayers. Uh, you know, the federal government, we can, oh, hey, we have leases, offshore leases. But now they're making it more uh, difficult for them. They're making it more difficult for our, our energy producers in this country to go out and find that energy and then to produce it because they're saying, well, we have clean energy. But let's just think about this. Joe Biden killed the Keystone Pipeline on day one, 830,000 barrels of oil a day, coming in the United States from who? Our friends in Canada. They're like our cousins, for Pete's sake. Then, so what, and then what's Joe Biden then do? He says, we're going to take the sanctions off so that uh, Nord Stream 2, which is Soviet, Soviet, I was trying to say Russian, it's hard to not say the two sometimes, but Russian. Uh, energy to come into Europe, and the and a lot of our uh, Central Europeans and Eastern Europeans would rather have U.S. Uh, energy because they know it, it's reliable. They're not going to get sh- get shut off. But when you allow the Russians to be able to produce, then not Americans to produce, and then what's the president's do last week? Joe Biden, with the greatest hypocrisy, then turns around as OPEC, who usually is a, does everything it possibly can to hurt us. With pricing, then what do they do? He says, "Can you guys produce more oil?" Wow, unbelievable! Okay, somebody's got to take. So maybe, maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. You know, <laughs> maybe it's plain as day in front of me, but I don't get it. I, this, this is, this is just making America dependent on people that don't like us and sending our tax, our tax dollars, and our hard-earned cash overseas to do this stuff. Yeah, and so I shouldn't probably say taxes, but you know it's American dollars going overseas. But at the same time, it's it's a, it's 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 a disaster. So I shouldn't say tax dollars, but American dollars and American jobs. Because look at all the jobs in the energy sector that we're losing right now because of Joe Biden. 
Yeah, well, and it's pathetic because I'm sensing a trend here between what's going on in Afghanistan and what's going on in the energy market right now. I'm sensing a lack of leadership that for a guy that's been in the Senate for however many, 30, 40 years, who was vice president for eight years, now has been president for almost eight months. Uh, I'm sensing a trend that we have no leadership. Everybody's walking all over him for their benefit, going back to the way politics used to be with the Democrats, with Barack Obama, with Joe Biden and with other leaders uh, that we've had like that before Donald Trump, to where uh, just because we've made a deal, all of a sudden that must be a good deal, even though we're getting the raw end of the deal, aren't we? Well, absolutely. And, and I'm not, you know, I can't, I, you point, point to something, these people haven't really messed up. Uh, it's, it's just one thing after another. You know, they're, they're, they're wrecking the economy. They're, you're, they're saying, oh, you don't have to work anymore. We're just going to keep paying people to stay home while in my district. With I was asked the national manufacturers, I've got about 85,000 manufacturing jobs now, according to the national manufacturers. First Solar, which is the largest solar panel manufacturer in the Western Hemisphere, which is homegrown in my home, my own county here in Northwest Ohio, uh, they start, they're going to have hire 500 more people. Peloton, the bike company and exercise company broke ground in my district. They're going to add, they're going to put their first factory in the United States in my district, 2,200 jobs. Wow. I can go around my district. There are thousands and thousands of good-paying jobs. And what do we hear from the Democrats? Well, well, we have to pass another $3.5 trillion <laughs> boondoggle because we've got to help Americans through this economy. Yeah. What? It's, what parallel universe are they in when I go by a McDonald's in my district that actually has on its marquee daily pay? Yeah. They will pay you daily just to get you to come into work. They're desperate. They're desperate. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I know you're running short on time. So I want to talk about these last couple of things here with the infrastructure bill that's sitting in the House right now, but kind of being held hostage with the Democrats that realized that 19 Republicans voted for it to try and work in a quote unquote bipartisan way to pass the three and a half trillion dollar budget that is nothing more than an expansion of social programs we're seeing the largest snap increase uh, for the snap program by 25 percent the largest in the program history we're seeing expansion in medicare and medicaid we're seeing expansion in social programs all across the board this is nothing more than a major socialist takeover with this three and a half trillion dollar budget and democrats are all giddy about it while as you mentioned we're trying to rebuild an economy and come back after covid well, now we're seeing more red tape, we're seeing more regulations, we're seeing more taxes, we're seeing more spending, and we're seeing more social programs to make a permanent labor shortage in this nation that I think is very troubling. Well, when you look at the, first of all, you know, the, the, the transportation legislation, you know, their, their infrastructure package. Well, first of all, you know, we have to fix our roads and bridges, but how are they going to pay for this? Yeah. You, you know, the, the pay-fors are not there. When you think of that, the Congressional Budget Office always came out and said it's 256 billion dollars in the hole before they get started and then you think okay now how the rest of it is pretty much by quote-unquote repurposing reprogramming dollars that's it well i hate to tell you this it's not going to be there and so all of a sudden this is going to go on the deficit and i'm I'm warning people because right now that there's estimates out there we could be paying a trillion dollars a year just to pay interest Mm -hmm. on the debt in 2031 so uh, our economy is in jeopardy. Uh, the Democrats uh, and the president haven't got a clue on what they're doing. And I tell you, this is the thing. You go back with when Donald Trump and the Republicans uh, got the tax legislation out. It's got us on an economy with a 3.5% unemployment rate. And, you know, this economy was rolling before COVID. 
But even now, this economy could be roaring. But now, when you have the Democrats saying we're going to raise taxes, and I'm going to guarantee, if they if people think, well, it's just on people who are wealthy, I'm going to guarantee it, it's going to be on everybody. Because <laughs> it's going to happen. And the death tax, what the Democrats want to do, will hurt small businesses and farmers because they're going to take away what they call stepped-up valuation. Yeah. And what that means is that at death, you inherit the property at that day-to-death value. But the Democrats are saying, no, we're going to make it capital gains. And so let's just say you bought, a family had bought a farm 50 years ago. Think what land prices were 50 years ago for that farm. Take it up to today and say, you're going to have to pay a tax on that property from 50 years back, wow. what the value was. This is scary. And But this is, this is and you know, when we, we're going to be back, Pelosi's calling us in on Monday to try to start passing this stuff. But the American people have got to be watching this. They've got to be contacting their representatives and their senators and saying, do not do this. Yeah. No, we have to. And, I, and that's my curious question is, last question before we let you go, but what is the purpose or what's the thinking process behind some Republicans wanting to pass these bills? We're going into a midterm election next year where we can campaign on the fact that the Democrats are destroying the economy. They're destroying small business. They're destroying family farms or whatever uh, that's, that may be passed down from generation to generation. They're destroying those opportunities, but yet we have 19 Republicans in the Senate. We now have Republicans in the House trying to pass the infrastructure bill now after they're saying that Democrats could try and stop this because it doesn't go far enough, wanting to work in this bipartisan manner. Why are any Republicans supporting any of these bills? Because both of them are disasters. Yeah, on, on like the $3.5 trillion bill, I can't see any Republican coming out to support that thing. On this infrastructure, you know, some people say, well, we got to get an infrastructure bill. But, yeah, but the thing is, you can't pass a piece of legislation that's not good. And, unfortunately, uh, you know, we might have some Republicans willing to vote for that thing. But at the same time, Pelosi wants to tie the, these two bills together. Uh, and there's, these, there's about nine Democrats that see themselves truly in peril in the next election cycle, saying, no, you, uh, don't tie them together. We'll vote for the infrastructure bill, but forget this other thing. But uh, this is what we're going to find out next week when we get down there wow. with the Democrats is exactly what Pelosi is going to do. And, you know, this is our August work period. I've been all over my district uh, with my 14 counties in northwest, west central Ohio. But, uh, you know, what I'm hearing from my constituents when I'm out there is one that it's the same thing. Help. We need people to work. And uh, we don't need more regulations. And, boy, we sure don't need our higher taxes. <laughs> we don't need higher taxes and we don't need higher social programs that makes it even harder to get people back into the workforce because uh, we're seeing that right now as well. we got a long road ahead of us and it's going to be sad and, and I hope that we can hang out until midterms uh, next year to be able to stop some of this but I mean this stuff's coming down hard and heavy and with a lack of leadership in Washington DC with the president right now uh, the, the fact that he could actually sign off on some big quote-unquote deals that could be a landmark piece of legislation for his legacy is really kind of pathetic. It's Congressman Bob Laddick, 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. I know you guys are fighting the best you can. Keep up the fight, my friend. We appreciate all the time you always give us here on the air. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again here soon. Thank you very much.